0: You know, at the time, because I wasn't telling anybody that I was struggling in college, that I was feeling really alone. And it's hard to feel alone, not to be alone. I'm i am an introvert. I can enjoy my time being alone, but feeling alone, is a whole different hurdle.
1: Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to I've Been Better. Oh my goodness, I have missed y'all so much and I have missed doing these recordings and getting to talk to people. It has been a wild six months. Those of you who know Josh and I personally uh, over here at I've Been Better, uh, you know, we moved. We bought a house and sold the other home we were living in. So sadly, the pod loft is no more. And we are working on creating a new pod loft. But the last six months have just been so busy. And we are just very, very excited to get back into doing these recordings. So we thank y'all so much for hanging in there and continuing to follow us along. And we're really excited for season Sir, Se- Se- I can't talk for season seven. Y'all can tell I've been out of the biz of doing this for a little bit of time. Uh, So welcome back again. My name is Susan Youngstead. For those of you that are new here, and I am your host of I've Been Better. I've Been Better is a storytelling podcast that is designed to share the stories of real people in real time. And we hope to continue to reach more people as we've seen the ripple effect of this podcast as we get to reach more people across the country. We get to meet more people. And it's just been really exciting for me as this is something that I only used to dream about and now get to do for real. So I'm really excited about it. If you aren't already following us on social media, please do so. We are on Facebook and Instagram. We also have all of our podcast episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. So please make sure you subscribe, give us a like, give us a rating. You know, anything under five stars is really not anything I want to see. So if it's under five stars, just uh, pretend that it was five stars. That'd be great. Uh, So today's episode is really exciting because I'm going to bring y'all a new guest that I have actually only met in person one time. So y'all know how those get to go when it's someone that has been sort of in the peripheral of my life, but then I have the honor and opportunity of getting to share part of their story. So I'm really excited. But today's guest is Hannah Sherlock. So welcome, Hannah. Hannah is tuning in from Nashville, Tennessee. So this is a virtual recording just for all of our listeners out there. Hannah is the sibling of a previous guest. So y'all may hear us speak about him on this podcast as well. That is Tyler Sherlock, who was on um, a season or two ago. But let's share a little bit more about Hannah today. So Hannah is a professional nanny and babysitter in Nashville, Tennessee. She is originally from Asheville, North Carolina, near the Blue Ridge Mountains. She's got a passion for caring for others, music, and art. And y'all, Hannah's a very good singer. Uh, her <laughs> professional goal is to help her other parents raise their children and just be a positive influence in the lives of young children. And Hannah's really fun fact is that she was born on 9-9-99 at ten ten p.m. That's true. <laughs> you are aligned. That's like four nines in a row and then repeating 10 yes. 10. Are you into any of that kind of stuff, Hannah?
0: Um, I'm horrible with numbers, but I'm a double <laughs> Virgo. I think that's kind of funny. Okay.
1: So your sun is Virgo and then are you a rising or a moon?
0: So, sun Virgo, moon Virgo, Taurus rising.
1: Wow. If I knew enough, I would say more than wow, but I don't. <laughs> I like to pretend like I should know enough. I'm a Sun, Pisces, Gemini Moon or Rising, and then I'm a Scorpio for the other thing.
0: Oh, okay. So Pisces I can never is remember my, which is which. Yeah, Pisces is my sister sign, so we should get along. Yeah.
1: Yes, I'm sure we will. And I think <laughs> it's funny that I have Scorpio in my what my chart uh you know, my sun chart for all of that, which is really cool. But I love that you were born on 9999 99. So, nines, are they good luck numbers for you? Oh,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I got to go with the nine if I play a sport or if I can do a thing, if I play the lottery, nines. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Not sports, I love that. <laughs> You're like, oh, no. Do you remember what my bio said? Art and music. Yeah. No sports. No sports. That's okay. I love that. Um, well, welcome, Hannah. Thank you so much for tuning in from Nashville. Um, we're so excited to have you today. Yay. Yay. Uh, So, Hannah, tell us a little bit more about yourself. You know, before we were recording officially this morning, y'all, we were talking about fun facts, and Hannah was like, Yeah, that's the only fun fact I have about myself is that I was born on September 9th, 1999. And, you know, I giggled because I was like, That's, I'm sure that's not the only fun fact you have, right? And then I sit here and I'm like, I struggle to come up with fun facts in those little icebreaker Mm -hmm. things whenever you meet new people. Mm -hmm. I always want to say a fun fact is like, oh, I guess, I'll, I guess I will announce this on this podcast for people that don't know. I am ethnically Jewish. Oh, um, cool. And I always like want to say that, but that's like a really dangerous thing to say
0: in today's Ye- culture. Yeah.
1: Right? I don't tend to put myself in communities or environments where that would be a very dangerous thing to say, but I still don't really advertise that until this literal moment of saying that out loud. But I think I'm like, that's a really cool fact, right? To, because there's a number of us, but then it means we go all the way back and that we are secretly minusculely related to each other. So you know um, our friend Brant, who's been on this podcast.
0: Yes, I met him. Brant and I like are 10. technically
1: yeah. So you've known him since you were like little, little, right?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, we technically, if we're gonna get like real into the geneograms of these things, I we're related because he's also also ethnically Jewish. Cool. So it means we come from the same area, um, which is kind of cool. But it's so far beyond like. We're clearly like nothing is incestuous about that now um <laughs> but i just think that's really cool so i always struggle to come up with fun facts
0: yeah i i like, what actually you, did what is even
1: fun what's considered fun i
0: don't know you made me think about how i did the ancestry thing recently yeah like i sent in my dna and the 23 I in me yeah pretty much but it's through the ancestry. I don't know. I still had to spit the oh, tube no, I follow. and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why maybe I was expecting something surprising. But no, I'm every <laughs> single type of white. Like, like, no,
1: I am pure Anglo-Saxon uh, yeah. from Europe. Very so clean. So Irish. Yeah.
0: So Irish and English. And I mean, every single type, even down to just like 1% Wales. I mean, there's just... <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're like, no there culture. truly is no other option no. um it is funny too I remember being told by someone in our family system so my dad's side of the family is European um and then well I guess technically we're both European en- English specifically yeah. and then my mom's is the ethnic Judaism side and I remember being told when I was younger that I was Irish so I like thought that was cool or, or German that I was like Irish and German which I was like I'm a German and a Jew how funny <laughs> I got my ancestry back. That is not true. I am very British and French. And then it's like Irish and something else. Like there's no German tied into that at all.
0: (laughs) The same thing happened to me, which is interesting because I was always told my mom's like, you're German. Because her mom always said that she's German. I mean, my grandmother's last name was Zimmerman. I feel like that's extremely German. So it
1: would make sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, you know, like, my grandma had some sass to her, and my dad would
1: always be like, well, <laughs> she's German. And um It's like how we write off her behavior. Eh, yeah, German.
0: right? And so I always thought, like, okay, so I'm, like, half German, half Irish, pretty much. Yeah. And when I got the ancestry, no German. No. And I, nope, like, zero. took a screenshot and sent it to my mom, and I'm like, this makes no sense, because you this What'd is you not say? what you've told me. And she's like, I don't know, I don't get it.
1: Yeah, she's was, like, uh, no one else in well, my family maybe, did someone live it? in germany like i wonder if maybe that's why they just like assumed that's what that meant like if, if i've lived there i am said thing
0: i have no idea we honestly like i have zero like family <laughs> stories <laughs> i don't know, like, past you know my what? Parents Susan, this really... is
1: not the topic of today that's too funny well wherever you're from i think that's really cool that you've done the ancestry thing. I think it's fascinating to me. I'm very into history. I think if I could have taken, maybe that would be my fun fact. If I could have taken another route instead of being a therapist, I would have done like a historian of some kind. I would have worked somewhere to honor history or just really look into that stuff because I find it so fascinating that to think about that people lived on this land or in a home or, you know, somewhere Mm -hmm. before us and we're doing very different things. I know people find that very boring, but I think that's really cool that Some people are really into that. So the fact that you did it and you're like, look, I can see where I came from and all my relatives are on here.
0: No one else in my family did it. So afterwards, you know, I'm like (laughs) sending screenshots to my siblings and my parents. And I'm like, guys, so I mean, this is us.
1: (laughs) Like, This is where where our ancestry is. Yes. This is our lineage. If you care. Yes. Hannah, tell us a little bit more about yourself other than your... (laughs) ancestry and lineage we can trace you back to england or european we know this white european anglo-saxon yes
0: all different types of white so that's that's another fun fact about me (laughs) um i don't know just i think i've i'm definitely an old soul i've been told that my entire life i'm 23 now but I like to say I just went ahead and popped out a forty year old, like some something's up <laughs> where I've just like never really talked like a kid. Like I related yeah. more to parents than yeah. kids my yeah. own age.
1: Well, tell us a little bit if you feel like it's a good time to do that, but walk us through like your upbringing. So we had, you know, we mentioned that you're related to someone who was on this podcast before, but y'all have multiple other siblings. So maybe share a little bit about like, yeah, you're the baby, right?
0: Yes. I am the baby of four kids and I was a surprise. (laughs) Oopsies. Uh, Well, and you,
1: y'all have like a significant age difference too.
0: Yes. So Tyler, who has been on this podcast is nine years older than me. Mm-hmm. And then it's Allie is seven and then Christian is five. So it's like my mom had this like child, two years later, child, and then it like, oh five years later, well oh, we're having a fourth one.
1: <laughs> it's like, oopsies, we did not plan for that.
0: Well, you know what? They're they used to be pretty Catholic, so I don't think they are really trying to stop it.
1: Correct. Yeah. That's a very fair point, yes. Um, you know, I hear that often, too. It's so interesting. I I do like the idea of sibling dynamics or birth order dynamics. And I do think there's a lot of truth to those, but they also can oh, yeah. be total opposites. Right. So there are people who are true babies in the sense that they are like the baby, the golden child, very young, very I'm going to use the word immature, but not to use it in a derogatory sense. They just like are much more spoiled yes. than like the older siblings, right? And then I think there's also this possibility that the baby is the old soul. It's the one that because parents have raised three other children already, they're so much older, like you sort of have to grow up much quicker yes. than the other people around you, right? Um, Definitely. I appreciate that insight as someone myself who is the baby of four as well. And our age differences, our shortest age difference is nine years like they are all significantly older oh, yeah. than I am. And so I can relate to this idea of like sort of being an only child at some points in your yep. life, like when people all moved away and then it also being the For baby, sure. but then mm-hmm. also feeling like you were older in a lot of ways, too.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think, you know, by the fourth one, your parents are tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's so how mine definitely up.
1: felt. They were like, we don't whatever. Just like don't die.
0: Yeah, right? I had such an independent childhood, which I appreciate. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying my parents are negligent. They're great people. But, you know, like, Tyler being so much older than me, he left for college when I was like eight years old. So unfortunately. Yeah. yeah and I mean, you like
1: probably couldn't even wrap your head around like really what that no. was. You're like,
0: where'd Tyler go? Bye. Yeah. I, I don't have memories of him really being at home
1: yeah that makes sense yeah and then like you said you've got Allie who's two years under that and then you've got your other brother who's like two years under that so I can imagine your relationships with them were just by proxy like due to the nature of the situation we're closer because of that um yeah the first time y'all I got to meet Hannah actually in person and the only time that I've been able to meet her in person was at Tyler's wedding to his Mm -hmm. wife who you all also heard from Rachel who's on this podcast and um Hannah sung at that wedding, which was beautiful. And we were talking a little bit before this that that was Hannah's last foray into singing as a form of her art, you know. But it sounds like your whole family, Hannah, is very artistic. Is that something that you all share?
0: Yes, for sure. I like to say, so Tyler and Allie are the ones who like pursued art as a career. Yeah. And it's always done in like cells, paintings, and stuff. And they're both left handed. So I'm always like, the left-handed kids are the artists.
1: They're using yeah. that part of their brain that like we don't access for the rest <laughs> yeah. of us. And
0: yeah. then Christian and I are right-handed, so I just think that's kind of weird. But um
1: that is weird. Yeah. That's another fun fact. There's your fun fact.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah. Boy, girl, yeah. boy, girl. Two oldest left-handed, two youngest right-handed.
1: Yeah. I love that. Can Christian sing?
0: Uh, I'm the only one who can sing.
1: <laughs> okay. Never, <laughs> no,
0: never mind. No nobody else, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I just kind of did art because I enjoyed it in school. And then I Mm -hmm. did AP art in high school, just like Tyler and Allie did. And I've never like sold paintings or anything. It's kind of more just like therapeutic to me and a fun hobby. So I always feel like, you know, they're the artists and I kind of do it for fun. But, you know, everyone's always like, no, 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 don't. Don't put yourself down. You're an artist Don't diminish. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that's just, that's my personality. Well,
1: is that how you identify? Like, do do you identify as an artist? Or like you said, do you identify as more of a creative? I mean, tell us, you work with kids. You have to be a form of some kind of, like you said, creative person, I think, to work with kids.
0: Yeah. I kind of, yeah, I just consider myself a creative person rather than saying, oh, I'm an artist. I'm a singer. I'm. You know, I just, I don't like specifics, really. I'm I'm an umbrella word type person, so.
1: Yeah, I get that.
0: Yeah, so I consider myself a creative person. I mean, I work with kids every day, and I got to tap into my imagination. I mean, I'm playing pretend all day. All day. All day.
1: I love that. Tell us a little bit about how you got into wanting to be a professional nanny and helping other families raise their kids.
0: Yeah, so it's been kind of a journey. I kind of had the the opposite problem as many people going into college thinking, like, I don't know what to do because I have so many options. <laughs> I feel like I had friends, that were like, I don't know what to do, like, I'm not good at anything or something. And I'm like, I'm yeah. not trying to sound, uh, you know, like
1: cocky but or cocky anything, about it but i kind of got some skills
0: i have too many options i don't know what i want yeah. <laughs> to choose
1: <laughs> yeah. so i think it's a good problem to have right you're like it's the opposite issue it isn't that i didn't know at all what i wanted to do it's that i knew i wanted to do a bunch of stuff but i had to pick one thing to focus on academically in school
0: yes, yes. so my big thing was i wanted to do music therapy because i love that music is my therapy so like I watch documentaries and stuff about how you can use your music to be therapy for others and I Mm -hmm. love how you can use it for kids so like that was kind of my goal of like singing with kids and I worked at a daycare in high school so I would bring my guitar to the daycare and I just have so much fun singing along with the kids you know like let it go from frozen (laughs) just do that all the
1: time that's my favorite i do you all remember when frozen came out and there was like all the youtube videos right of like other people singing let it go there did you ever watch the one that was of it was clearly a production and it was young kids it was like a chorus, and it was a choral production of singing this and there was a whole choir in the background and like this whole thing and she was in this like winter wonderland and it was like this little girl though was singing it did you ever watch that on youtube i will send it to you okay, i became please. obsessed with her i think if i were to go look at my youtube records like from that year it'd be like your number one watched video was this video because mm-hmm. i just like you said music is so powerful the amount of people who probably nodded their heads along with you when you're saying music is my therapy were like yes right even if that's yeah. just like listening in the car seeing in the car there is so much evidence scientifically to support the benefit of one singing period and then two listening to music of some kind, like just how moving that can be if you emotionally open yourself up to listening and actually internalizing and hearing what the music is saying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, music therapy is a great way to incorporate both of those things, right? You like working with kids, which we you know we'd love to hear more about why you like working with kids, because there are so many people in the world who are like, please do not put me near your children, <laughs> yeah. right? But then you were like, no, I'm going to seek them out and work with them. And I'd love to also do this thing that I'm really passionate about. And I find fun at the same time.
0: Yes. So I feel like my love for children is actually kind of like a much bigger story than people would think. I kind of actually had to go through like a significant hurdle in my life to realize like, oh, children are my passion. Yeah. And so like when I wanted to pursue music therapy and then I took all the classes and it was just not what I expected they were trying to make me like a classical voice major then by senior year you can start doing music therapy stuff so I was like now I that's not
1: what I want this infrastructure does not work for me like
0: now I I don't know what to do and so then I'm like oh maybe I'll do art like Tyler and Allie And it still just, like, wasn't connecting at all. And so I was like, I felt like I had all these options, and then they were just dwindling, and I didn't know what to do. So I kind of had to, like, you know, think back to uh, what I used to want to be when I was younger. And Mm -hmm. I always said, like, I just want to be a mom. I just want to have kids and spend my days with them and so then i was like maybe maybe that's what i need to go into but there's i mean there's not a nanny major because
1: i love well, there's that- also a lot of stigma i feel like around like when you would be asked, like in school, right? Like, what do you want to be? Yeah. And people be like, I want to be a scientist. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. And and you've seen this, right? Where young mm-hmm. people, especially young women, identifying people being like, I want to be a mom, and that being a really like shameful answer,
0: right? Going to college for your MRS degree.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely right. And so you're like, but I like kids, you know. So it sounds like you tried these other more oh my gosh, what's the word we want to use? Just like societally approved options for a career, right? And you're like, okay, that does not work for me. I'm gonna try art. No, it's still not working for me. Well, I really like kids and I'm gonna stop pretending like I don't want to work with kids when ultimately Mm -hmm. that's what I want to do. And I'd like to be a mom, but I'm in college. So I guess I got to get some kind of degree out of this. And you're right, there's no mom degree. There's uh, like childhood development, type degrees, or right? Like, educationally, mm-hmm. but you're like, I don't want to be a teacher.
0: Right? Yeah. So I tried that a little bit. Um, cause you, that stigma, I mean, I didn't want to quit college. Even quit is a harsh word, but you've been told your whole life, you know, high school, then college. And so the thought of leaving college, I was like, you know, you're dumb or something. Like, this is not the right path. You're
1: the baby, right? You've watched all your other siblings. Did all your other siblings go to college?
0: Um, No, just Tyler and Allie.
1: Okay, so you've got the two oldest who followed that laid out traditional expectations path, right, Mm -hmm. that we in America follow, which is high school, college. They go get these degrees artistically of some kind to, like, go pursue their passions as a career. And then you're the baby. So it sounds like you and Christian, though, were did like did also not really feel strongly towards anything in college
0: yeah actually Christian and i have pretty like intertwined stories that i can get into i mean i don't want to like spill all his beans
1: but sure um, but if you feel like if you feel comfortable with that and you know i do think it ties into a little bit of what we were talking about of like how you got to this place but but yeah let us tell us what you ended up doing college-wise and like professionally how you ended up here and then we can circle back
0: yeah so i um stopped going to college in nashville i went to belmont in nashville and i went home to Asheville for about a year just kind of (laughs) trying to figure out you know what to do with my life and i just i mean i just wasn't happy there like surrounded by people i love of course but i missed my friends so much the the connections i made in nashville were amazing and still are i'm still with everybody and so my parents are like you can go back to nashville move in with them in their house you know just set a plan you know (laughs) have something
1: or how are you gonna pay for things please figure out what you're gonna do with your life yeah and yeah. so I was. So it like, sounds like your parents were like <laughs> supportive of you coming home, oh, but they were also like, you yeah. got to go figure something out. Yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. I mean, can't laze about. And I didn't like that either. I felt kind of useless. Like I need to put myself towards something. So yeah. I did go back to Nashville and move in with my previous roommates. There were like four of us in the house. And um, I decided, you know, maybe I want to take early childhood education classes, since I think maybe I want to go that route. So I did it through uh, online classes at the Asheville Community College. Nice. And I really enjoyed child development, like one and two. But then the other classes I needed to take really were focused on, like, teachers and how teachers need to observe their classes and write down the child's movements and things like that, like super o- objective notes. And I wasn't enjoying that. And then I'm looking towards the future and I have to take biology and math again. It's a lot. Yes. It's a lot. I hate math.
1: I took one math. I took stats. And then I took like metric math, basic, basic math my freshman mm. year. I never had to take math again.
0: Yeah. And I'm still thinking, I, I'm not liking this. I want I wanna be like thrown in to the ring. I wanna be with the kids and have that connection with them and use the development skills that I have learned but I don't feel like I need to keep going and do the math and biology and you know, my parents are so understanding and they said, Okay, so what do you think? And I'm like, I'm I'm gonna find a nanny job here and go from there. And the family that I met, the baby was four months old. I really wanted to work wow. with a baby. Um, yeah. I love them so much and I figured that out through my nephew, but that's, that's another story.
1: <laughs> um, oh, and we, we've got time. Yeah. We can circle back to him.
0: Great. Yes. So I just love working with for that family and I connected so much to the parents and I felt like a part of their family and I got that one-on-one connection with the child and I was like okay so this is this is the happiest I've been in a in a while and so then yeah I just started saying like I can branch out more and I made my own business <laughs> Hannah's I love it I have a whole hand. website yeah it's amazing yes yeah, my uh, roommate made that, but um, I did my connections. You know, I would go to playgrounds with the baby, and then I'm like, "Here's my card. Here's my
1: card." Like to all oh the oh my god, talk parents. about being an entrepreneur, right? Like so savvy. You're like, no, I'm gonna make this work. So, you you decide for us which route you want to go into. I want you to have time for both, but. I want to give you sort of like a direction and you can decide which one you feel like you want to talk about first. But one, you mentioned your brother a couple times or your nephew, you know, coming from your brother a couple times and how that could have been a spark for this path. But then, 2 I'd also love to hear about how that was like what that was like for you of constantly trying to pick different paths in college and feeling like you didn't really connect with any of them and that pressure to like get a college degree in something and Mm -hmm. do something professionally when we do not as society prioritize and give enough credit to people that like nanny and care for children in this pseudo parent role caregiver role right as a nanny Mm -hmm. i myself was a nanny to an amazing amazing young young boy and he's 11 now and i have stayed close to this family i identify them as quote unquote a god family but we have never like truly designated that that's just it's like how do you say this isn't just some kid I know like there's a lot more value there and the relationship yes. is so much more important um but I get that like I remember I got yeah, babysat a bunch in my life I worked at daycares I worked at um you know the city's day camp programs and after school yeah. programs and so nannying just like made sense um and I don't, I don't know about y'all but like nannying pays really well depending on where you live and it's a really chill job and mm-hmm. so it's just, I, I can, t- I'm already like putting myself back in those years of nannying and like, yeah, I can totally see that. So you tell me where you want to go. You've got all the time to talk. So you go.
0: Um, I think we'll, I think I'll take you back in time because love it. it'll Ooh, feed. Yeah. Going It'll back. feed into my, the reason I love children. Perfect. So I'm. I feel most of my childhood memories are probably with Christian because he was there for my older years where I can actually remember things. Like, you know, Tyler left when I was eight. And I'm sorry, Tyler. I don't remember it.
1: <laughs> Tyler, you didn't exist. Okay. Bye bye. Sorry. Got a little
0: robbed of that sibling relationship. But we're good now. Now that we're adults. Good. But um yeah. And then Allie... Being an older sister and I'm the annoying little judgy sister, we butted heads completely. Like, yeah. you know, she's in high because school she's... and I'm in, like, yeah. middle school. <laughs> not yeah. a not a good time for sisters to nope. relate.
1: No. Well, especially not in, what, like, the early 2000s yeah. is, when the, is when this is going down. Yeah, I mean, my sister was nine years older than me and we did not get along Mm-mm. when we were – yeah, she really loved me when I was a baby.
0: Oh, absolutely! Right, because she could
1: like take care of me. So I'm sure Allie loved having you for that. I was, her but then baby when you doll. actually developed, yep, yeah, you were the baby doll, right? And then when you developed your own like opinions and wants and needs <laughs> yeah. and personality, she was like, "Get away from me!"
0: Yes, absolutely. And I'm just like, "I want to be with your friends." <laughs> you know, they're so cool. In. Yeah. Yeah. And so I like played a lot with Christian and. You know, I remember, like, watching Tarzan with him, and he put on, like, <laughs> boxing gloves and pretend he's, like, the gorilla, and I w- would be on his back, and he would just, like, go around the room. Oh, that's and, so cute. Yeah. He's actually really good with kids, too. I think, like, me and Krishna are the ones that, like, connected to children a lot growing yeah. up. And um, so, yeah, sweet big brother, but of course he still tortured me. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah. of course. Yes. So when he was in um high school around like seventeen, I'm I'm like twelve, which is, you know, your middle school years are Oh, God. Don't horrible. Me. Right? Yeah. Horrendous. Yes. <laughs> Coming of age and everything and I feel like I lived pretty average life before that, you know, like pretty privileged too. Like mom and dad still together, like the perfect little family or whatever, and uh, I was just me and Christian still at home, but, like, I kind of noticed he was distancing himself from mm-hmm. me and my parents, and he was just kind of quiet, didn't really see him a lot. You know, if he did come home from school, he would just go straight to sleep on the couch. And I was just noticing, like, something was going on in the house that was weird but nobody was talking to me about it and so sometimes I would hear you know Christian talking with my parents and I'd sit on the stairs they didn't know I was there and I would I would be listening and I I remember just hearing him say like guys I'm I'm depressed like that's why I'm not doing well in school that's I'm fine everything's fine and so I was like okay I didn't even understand really what depressed meant but I'm like Something's wrong, I guess.
1: Yeah, you're like I can I hear him saying that. Whatever it must mean, it must mean something's not right.
0: Yeah, and yeah. then I mean, as just like time went on, I feel like he was getting angrier, and my parents were getting more frustrated. And I just remember, just like them, my parents also really worrying about him so much that I I was kind of left to my own devices, and I I always was independent. And did a lot of my own, but I was feeling kind of ignored a little bit, but I only know it's because they were worried about him and I was fine. Like they didn't need to worry about me. And so, um, one night my parents were like, can you go sleep over at your best friend, Laura's house? She lived up the street, known her forever. It's kind of weird. That they would ask me. It's to It's always weird go when your somewhere. parents are like,
1: "Can you please leave the house? And yeah, right." Go somewhere you're like, "Hmm." Uh, why? Okay.
0: <laughs> and so I, I did. And the next morning, I came home and just—I mean, my mom's face was red. It looked like she had been crying for hours, and my dad looked very serious. You know, he's a dad. I think he was trying not to cry and be the this, this strong one or whatever. And so I walk in, and I'm like, what's going on? And I look around, and I, it's a weekend, so I'm like, where's Christian? And my mom breaks down. And my dad's pretty much like, your brother needs help. He became addicted to pills, uh, drugs, and we... Found a way to help him. Pretty much, they didn't really go into depth, but they were like, "We sent your brother away. He's gonna get help in some sort of rehab." And I, I was pissed. I felt like I got robbed of my time with my last sibling. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I wasn't looking forward to being like the only kid in the house. Mm-hmm. And so I was. Just kind of, like, mad. I was kind of mad at them, but I was also mad at my brother for making my parents feel that way. And they were trying absolutely everything they could to make things better. Mm. And, I mean, they're... I love talking about my parents because they're great people. Like, not everybody's parents would just put their whole heart into trying to make him better. In the best way possible, but especially because he was 17 and when he turns 18, he can make his own decisions. So my parents were like, we're in go, go, go mode. We got to fix this. Let's get him
1: before that time comes. Yeah.
0: So then I started developing the mentality like you can't, you can't mess up, Hannah. Like if you mess up in any way and you're not the perfect little angel, you're adding more stress to your parents' lives. Mm-hmm. and so i was like i'm the only one at home like let's keep this nice and perfect you're the youngest you're the golden and we're keeping it that way and you know my yep. tyler and allie got to be they're living on their own in yeah. college one or- is the
1: first right they're like the guinea pigs they get to kind of like fuck up yeah and do whatever and i don't like, that's not great for them. I'm sure if they came on and were like, excuse me, that wasn't fun for us. Yeah, but no, it right, they get to be the ones that the parents sort of ex- experiment, sounds so negative. But yeah, I mean, you get to sort of see what your parenting style is like when your older kids do the things that you're like, oh, how do we handle these very real life situations if someone gets in a car accident, fails? You know, mm-hmm. takes drugs for the first time, drinks underage, you know, those sorts of things. And so, yeah, your two older siblings are out living their older lives. They're full blown adults now. By this time, you're like 12, 13. So that means Tyler is what, in his 20s? Yeah. 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 And then Allie's sure. in her 20s. And then you've got Christian, who's 17. It sounds like he was really struggling, you know, for his own personal reasons. And your parents were, like you said, really focused on him. And so, being a baby, you know, the baby of the family system, and especially being raised as a girl, I can only, you know, I can absolutely hear, and I'm sure many people can relate to that pressure, whether it was perceived or very explicit pressure, to be, like you said, a golden child.
0: hmm And yeah. it's Oh, Hannah's easy. Hannah doesn't yeah. need anything. Right. Right? And what's interesting is, I actually think Tyler felt that way, too. Because I think, mm-hmm. as the oldest, he feels like he sets an example, and I think he was kind of disappointed that his younger brother w- is going, spiraling down this path. And I think Tyler mm-hmm. was like, okay, I, you know, I am the head of these siblings. I need to set a good example. Like, I need to be perfect too. Yep. And so I think... Yeah. So
1: there's pressure both directions. Right. The youngest and the oldest. were like, we are the, the bookends to this set of right. kids.
0: yes. And so it was something that brought our whole family together, but I, I kept it inside that like, I was actually like not doing well. You know, Mm. my parents would go to family weekends to visit my brother. And the first one was when uh, like on my 13th birthday Mm. and that, that like killed me. I was like, I'm turning a teenager and they're going to see my brother. And I mean, I look back now and I'm like, yeah, the first family weekend. Like, of course, they needed to go to that. But at the but time, as a thirteen-year-old,
1: yeah, yeah pff, you'd be like, "They're choosing him over me. Like, right. what's wrong with me?" Yes. Yeah.
0: So I kept going through that stage of like what what's going on. It sounds like you were
1: left alone, like yes. emotionally and physically. Often, yeah.
0: it's true, and it was never anyone's intention of doing that especially because I'm so good at getting in my head and making everything worse than it
1: no, actually
0: is. I don't swear. say. <laughs> I'm pretty good at that. But that's because, I i mean, I do have anxiety, and that was the time where I started realizing, like, you know, oh, maybe I have a little bit of depression. <laughs> Didn't yeah. know that was a thing. Like, oh, maybe I'm not fine.
1: Yeah. You know? Maybe yeah. i should better. Right.
0: Maybe something's going on. <laughs> And so I that was a hard time. And so I thought once he's finished with, you know, getting better rehab in any way, he would just come back home and then everything's fine. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: my parents were like, no, he's not coming back home. So, like,
1: you know, he. What do they mean he wasn't coming back home?
0: They wanted him to go to a boarding school. To finish his senior year of high school. But it was like. they were
1: like, oh, he's not coming to Asheville again.
0: Yeah. And Uh then after the. So I. He did like a a wilderness program first. Yeah. And then moved. And I thought after the wilderness program, he would just come home. My parents were like, actually, no, we're we're putting him immediately into a boarding school for teens in recovery so he can finish out his senior year. I don't think he really knew that either, so I feel like I we're that. both yeah. pissed off because I was like, I can comprehend all this, guys, and I just yeah. – no one's telling me the full truth. Yeah. No one's giving me the lowdown, and I've always been an old soul. Like, I I know
1: what – Well, you're just stupid. This. I'm not stupid. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Kid, kids aren't stupid, right? It's this idea of that if we shelter – children from other issues in a family system that will somehow, it's a fallacy, right? Like will somehow prevent them from either internalizing or taking in or being hurt by what's happening. And the reality is the less honest you are, the more harmful it can be to your kids. Because what did you just say? You do a really good job of making things up in your head that's not like a thing that other people don't do we our brains do that we try to make sense of a situation that is unknown and uncomfortable so your brain starts being like oh it's a you problem because nobody is telling you otherwise
0: yes and i just felt like felt like i had to grow up fast but it was also just weird going to school because i kept thinking Nobody knows, like, how much I'm struggling right now. But it kind of feels like it's posted on my forehead. Like, I'm yeah. walking around. Like, how like, does nobody know? Yeah. yeah. How does nobody know? And, I, I mean, I was so good at putting on a face and not actually being happy. And um my brother did eventually graduate high school. And my parents mm-hmm. let him come back to Asheville. Um, he did, like, a halfway house situation, because you don't want to backtrack and let him back into the house, and it kind of feels like you're just going full circle, and they listened to absolutely everything that, like, professionals told them to do, and that was part of it, like, don't let them come back home, pretty much. But, um, he still was not happy enjoying Asheville in any way, and I think... He didn't get that chance to go out on his own and be an adult. So he left the halfway house and went to Charlotte, um, where my sister lived as well. But, you know, he went on his own journey. I, don't, I still don't really know the details about that either.
1: Get <laughs> him on one day. Like, Christian, I need you to fill in this gap of this family system.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, no, he'll never talk.
1: No, that's fine.
0: <laughs> all internal. But, um, yeah, I don't even know if I'm saying too much, but I think it'll be okay. And, um, so he, he went on his own journey in Charlotte, but he still came and visited us sometimes. And he had a girlfriend, and he's never had a girlfriend at all in his life. So it was very interesting to be like, oh, wow, Christian has a girlfriend. And so one weekend, you know, um, they came to visit, and um, we, like, finally got to meet her and Christian and her find me. You know, I'm, like, watching TV in my room or something, and they come in. They're like, we have something to tell you. And I'm like, what? What? And they're like, we're pregnant. Yay! And they're 20 years old. And (laughs) I am like, I start sobbing. I mean, just like sobbing. And they're like, what's wrong? And I'm like, you can't be a dad. I mean, I'm just like, you are (laughs) not. Harsh reality, you can't do it. No, I'm like, you are not in the right situation. Like, you know, he was on his own. I think we all had a suspicion that maybe his sobriety was not not maintained um Mm -hmm. but you know i i was freaking out a little bit but he kept going like no 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 hannah i'm gonna do this and you know he was like really trying to convince me um but something that i didn't let anybody in my family know is that (laughs) going through all that stuff in middle school when i reached high school I still, like, writing in my journal was not enough. I still was feeling helpless. And, you know, I'd I'd look in the mirror and I'm just, like, not happy with what I'm seeing in any way. And I was, like, just kind of kept thinking. I'm like, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm tired. Like, I don't see the point in eating anymore or just living a good life. I don't think I I really wanted to particularly end it, but I didn't care about living it. Mm-hmm. And so I s- just stopped eating completely and hid it for my parents. And then that didn't feel like enough because I was still kind of feeling uneasy. So I was like, oh, well, I've seen this in movies. I'm going to try making myself throw up. And then... Mm-hmm. So that was easy, and I felt the only time that was, like, I felt relief right after. So I just kind of continued doing that, and I am a very small person. The Sherlock's are small. I'm, like, five two, like, a 100 pounds, and I've been told my whole life, oh, I could just break you like a twig, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you need to eat a cheeseburger and things like that. Oh, God. And it started, right? And it started getting to the point where I'm like, it's not like I looked in the mirror and said, oh, God, you're fat. Like, no, it was more everyone saying, I'm so skinny. What if I don't stay that way?
1: Mm-hmm. What if I... It's like s- all anybody ever talks yeah, about. Yeah, it's
0: all anybody ever talks about. So I'm like, I need to maintain this. And I think sometimes it's hard for... People to think, like, why would someone so skinny have an eating disorder? Because I think a lot of people just think, oh, someone thinks they're fat. They have an eating disorder. You know, it's not talked about a lot. Not as much as it should be.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of m- misunderstandings and lack of education around what actually tends to lead to the different varieties of eating disorders that exist. It's like the idea, too, that people in larger bodies can't be anorexic.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, so they I still was like I don't want to tack this on to my parents' lives. Like we don't we still don't know what Christian's up to. I just I I just still don't feel like I need to add all this stuff on to my parents' plate. And so I you know, I just wouldn't eat breakfast. I gave my lunch away at school and then I didn't know how to get out of dinner, so I would eat dinner with my parents, then go upstairs and throw it up. And mm-hmm. that was just kind of like what I did every day and I did start going to therapy and eventually like I talked about it and the therapist like you're gonna have to tell your parents like yeah
1: yeah I've been there yeah it's not (laughs) it's not great when a kid's like I've been coping with these perceived issues in my family system because I feel like it's best if I don't tell my parents and like I'm doing well by doing this behavior and then we have to be like yeah, see that behavior is really dangerous, and you have to stop. <laughs> and so you're a minor, which means we have to tell your parents.
0: Yeah. So I was like 15 at the time, and ugh, I did not want to tell them. No. And
1: what were you so afraid would happen when you did?
0: Just, I I didn't. I had no desire to get better. I felt like I was. Yeah. yeah. Kinda, like what's the point? I don't yeah. want
1: to change my behavior.
0: Yeah. And so I just didn't I didn't want to talk about it, and I knew like i've I've seen I'd never talked to anybody with an eating disorder, but I've seen like t v shows and movies and stuff, and I'm like, I mean I'm gonna have to do a bunch of extra work to get better like it's not like mm-hmm. you can't just stop. <laughs> it was it's like having an addiction like my brother had you can't just stop it's something. In your brain, that's different. And I think it's easier for people to grasp the idea of addiction to drugs and alcohol because they've had a little taste of it. And they're like, I can see how, you know, you feel good with this. You probably want a little more and then a little more. But no one's like, I can see how starving yourself feels so much better. (laughs) So (laughs) So you would just keep doing that. That makes logical sense. So I just felt different. I felt like it was easier for my family to understand that my brother had an addiction, but they just couldn't understand what I was going through. Mm -hmm. And so I, I did tell my parents in therapy. And so I had to start going to a nutritionist. Yeah, and they would like. What was their
1: reaction like?
0: Oh, I mean, I think they were sad, but they went into parent mode. They're like, "Okay, what's our next step? Fix it." Yeah, yeah.
1: Is that what you felt like you needed, or do you wish their reaction had had something else?
0: Um, no, I think that's
1: that's what I needed.
0: Um, as much as I hated the process, Mm -hmm. yeah, I needed that push i knew that they sounds like
1: you needed a parent like you needed someone else to be to be the one in control right you're like i have been maintaining my life because you right unintentionally they've been so focused on another sibling and their issues yeah that you were like this is how i'll manage and i don't need help from anybody else
0: yeah and i think it really saddened them to realize that i was putting so much pressure on myself and needed so much control in my life that I was mm-hmm. causing bodily harm. So I did start going to the nutritionist and she would you know make a whole calendar for the week and tell me exactly what I need to eat each day and I would check it off and all that stuff. I didn't I didn't care.
1: I just I didn't care. And so well, like, like, so the buy-in wasn't there, right? There's so much I appreciate you saying that, Hannah, because there's so much to say of, like, treatment only works so well unless somebody actually wants yeah, to buy into it.
0: Right. So I said, oh, yeah, I've been doing great. I mean, I wasn't, I still wasn't eating. My mom would watch me sometimes, but she didn't, like, I would throw up at school. Like, I would find. She can't watch you all the yeah. time. And so I was lying, still lying to my parents, lying to the nutritionist. And it got to the point where my nutritionist was like, you're lying to me. I'm like, no, I'm not. And she's like, Hannah, we do (laughs) blind weight ins. Yeah, she's like, we do blind weight ins. You're not gaining weight. She's like, you're still losing weight. I know you're lying to me. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. fine. Whatever. Yeah, I am. And she's like, at this rate, I I've been looking at like homes for you to go stay. And she goes, you know, like one of the best ones, the closest one is in Charlotte. So, you know, you're going to be like two hours away. And I kind of was like, F it, fine. You know, send me somewhere yeah, else. Just I don't need care. No, yeah. I didn't care. You're like, I just, I don't care. Yeah. And then I kind of circle back to what I was saying earlier. My brother comes home 20 years old and he says, We're pregnant. And they're like, we, we don't have a place to stay. And my parents, the gracious people they are, said, okay, you guys, if you really want to do this, if you want to have this child, you can stay in the basement, you know, get, have the baby, Christian, find a job, you know, like, let's set this plan in motion. So I was like, He can't be a dad, whatever. And then my nutritionist says, I'm going to send you away. And I'm like, oh, crap. I got to, like, be there for my nephew. Like, i am they're about to have this baby. And (laughs) I'm concerned, you know, 20 is young. I mean, I was 15 at the time. But still, I'm like, 20 is too young. They need help. And so I was like... Yeah, no, I need to stay. And so mm-hmm. I
1: I mean like it's almost like you couldn't stay for yourself. No but you something clicked where you were like I could stay for someone else.
0: Yeah. So I mean one eighty. I, I was like one of their fastest patients to recover. <laughs> I was <laughs> Once you found something to give a shit about,
1: right? You're right, like I guess yeah. this will change.
0: And so, um and it's the same for my brother. Like he completely got sober clean. Wow. He's a great dad. Him and his girlfriend oh, are yay. married now for like six years. My nephew's about to be seven. That's incredible. So I don't think this little seven-year-old realizes it, but it kind of saved like two lives. Whoa. And he has no idea because he's just a little kid. What's his name? Landon. Landon. And ironically, that is the name of my brother's therapist that forced me to <sighs> show my parents no yeah did they do that on purpose no so his wife now katie she said i've always loved the name landon i want landon
1: wow that's so wild that coincidence yeah i mean that's just creepy crazy yeah it's the first thing
0: we all thought of we're like really do you want to do that and he was like that's what she
1: wants so (laughs) Wow. I mean, I feel like it's sort of like meant to be right. If you have any yeah. belief in like fate or something, you were like, clearly this, e- this little human is going to change so many lives. And like, it all ties into the story yeah. of like how Christian ended up in this position to be a dad. And like you were saying, you know, disordered eating, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going to make sure that there's a trigger warning on the top of this episode because it's so more complex than I think we give it credit for. It's not what we used to see in the nineties of just starving yourself due to body dysmorphia because what you see in the mirror doesn't match or throwing up because you have a wish to be skinny yeah. there is so much more to disordered eating that has to do with what you were saying right Hannah like control not having any care or desire to live really apathetic feeling like nobody cares about us not really like we know our family loved us but like you said there was so much emphasis on somebody else and you were struggling and so you're like well I guess this is how I manage because there's no way in hell I'm asking for help from somebody else
0: yeah yeah And so
1: when you realize, like, just how serious it is, right, the the nutritionist is like, Hannah, this isn't a game. Like, I have to send you away because you're going to wither away and die if I don't get you some help. And then you were like, oh, shit, I, like, don't want to be sent away because there's this baby coming.
0: Yeah, right. And I fell in love with that baby. Just like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it was like the first year of his life was in our house and... Um, My mom and I spent a lot of time with him. You know, Christian was trying to find, um, a job. And I think, I think Katie struggled a little bit after Mm -hmm. birth. Um, and just, but like the fact that, you know, she's in a house and nobody is like her actual family. And we barely, we barely knew her. So I think she was going through a really tough time. And I think it was easier for me and my mom to spend most of the time with the baby.
1: And yeah. I, I so I can imagine yeah. while she was struggling like you said without having her own family there it's awesome that you and your mom were able to be there to help care for this baby in her time of need.
0: Mhm. And I I just I loved it so much. Like I remember one time nobody could watch him so I got to skip school for the day and spend the day with Landon. How fun. Yeah, I know, right?
1: And Um, and I think if like high school sucks anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. High school sucks. Watch this baby. Yeah.
0: So I think if we, you know, jump forward to being 18, don't know what to do with my life. I think back to how happy I was helping raise this child. And I'm like, I mean, maybe I should just try, you know, do that again for other people. Like my Christian and Katie, thanked me a lot like they told me i was a significant part of raising landon which i really appreciate um but
1: that brings me someone notices my effort
0: right but that brings me (laughs) joy and satisfaction and makes me feel the best about myself so i should Mm -hmm. like continue doing that and now Mm -hmm. i've helped other families with raising their children and i'm like yeah this is I think this is good. the right life path. Yeah. And I actually, I mean, just last week was signed to a nanny agency. So I feel like... Congratulations. Thank you. I feel like meeting my first big
1: girl job. <laughs> oh my God, yes. Yes, you're going to do so good. Is there any part of you, and if you don't want to answer this, that's okay too, but is there any part of you, Hannah, that has felt like have you talked at all or thought about how like there was this aspect of like I don't necessarily want to do these things for myself I want to do them for another person but it helped like you said save your life in a way Mm -hmm. and like is there any part of you that's reckoned with this idea of like do you how are you feeling now like do you feel like you want to live for yourself now or is there still this pull to live for other people I
0: feel like it's kind of 50 50 I think I well no I kind of feel like it's 70 30 I've I think I've always kind of struggled with the need to help others to a fault to where I've mm-hmm. I've cared about others more than myself a true baby child yeah That's the
1: birth order <laughs> spoken right there
0: so I mean yes I am a caregiver which I know is great but I do have to remind myself that like I'm important too
1: and like mm-hmm. you need
0: to you need to step back and be like, "Oh, yeah, uh, maybe you should take care of yourself a little bit, um absolutely, and it's still I yeah. think that's still something I'm working on i mean I'm only twenty three I'm young, and
1: <laughs> you got plenty of time, I got plenty yeah what do of you do? Time. What do you do right now? You know you said you're about to embark on this career? What are you doing, or what are you wanting to work on to take care of yourself
0: uh, so I play guitar a lot, um Love that. I still write poetry. Sometimes I turn some of those poems into songs. Oh,
1: I love that.
0: Um, I draw. Oh, crocheting. That's my new thing. I love to nice. crochet.
1: What's the last thing you crocheted?
0: Uh, right now I'm crocheting a dish towel. Uh, I crocheted some baby booties for my sister who just had a oh, baby. So cute. I have yeah. a niece Congrats, now. Allie. And I, I've crocheted everything I could just sit Amazing. there for hours upon hours doing that and just it's like you get so in the zone you forget about uh-huh your anxieties <laughs> you forget about what you're. I can imagine about. it's
1: very cathartic yeah because you and you also have to like pay attention to a degree you can like yep. zone out but like it is very intentional hand movements right and those sorts of things so all very creative outlets
0: yes absolutely yes. I mean I'm not the type that's like I'm anxious. I'm going to go on a run.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we did say at the top of the hour right no sports. No. Yes. How are you doing in regards to recovery with eating?
0: Um, I there were times like in the beginning of going to college where I really was just not doing all well my classes, not doing well mentally. And I it got to the point where I'm like I know if I, if I purge, I'll feel better. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like this feeling where, oh, I felt so bad for doing it. I know it was wrong. And it was just like, you know, in the bathroom forever, like, don't do it. Yes, do it. Don't do it. And I'm like pacing back and forth. But I mean, I did. And I think even my mom at one point was like, Hannah, can you be honest with me? Are you, are you like throwing up again? And I'm like, yeah, I am. Because I'm, I'm a good liar, but it gets to the point where I lie so much that I'm like killing myself. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just like fessed up to absolutely everything possible to my parents. And they were like, okay, well, you know, what would you like to do? And so I went back. You get
1: to be involved now. Yes. And make the decisions.
0: So I yeah. went, I went back to therapy and I kind of realized it's like, you know, my brother went through this addiction, but I have my own addiction and mm-hmm. I essentially relapsed. Like I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what happened to me. And I think it's because, um, that I, you know, at the time, because I wasn't telling anybody that I was struggling in college, that I was feeling really alone. And it's mm-hmm. hard to feel alone. Not to be alone. I'm, I'm an introvert. I can enjoy my time being alone. But
1: feeling alone is a mm. whole different hurdle. That's so true. That's so true. How do you combat some of that now? So tying into you keeping up with your poetry, writing music, playing guitar, crocheting. What are you doing to keep up with, like you said, sort of watching for when you start to feel alone?
0: I I go to my loved ones. I go to my roommates and I'm like, talk me down. Talk me off this, this ledge. And I, I just like, I don't know. I have a bunch of like fidget things too. I got like a, yeah. a fidget ring and just whenever I get like just thoughts of wanting to do something I know I shouldn't. I'm just like sit there and just like. Well,
1: it's unlearning, fidget. right? You were, yeah. If if we haven't made it very clear during such an impressionable time of your life when your brain is forming and you begin to engage in what we're going to call right self-harm behavior. When ultimately what it is, is it's a way of coping that happens to be harmful. It's difficult to unlearn that and to forget about it as an option in your toolbox, right? Like we truly have to, like you said, put a big red X sort of like over the option to purge because you know that that's not ultimately what's going to help. But it's so hard to convince that other part of your brain and your body that like you shouldn't do that again. Because at one point in your life, it was doing something for you, Mm -hmm. right? Now, we could probably argue it really wasn't working, but it was doing something, and so it was. it's difficult to cut that off. You know, like you said, you're 23. It really hasn't been that long. Yeah. You know, maybe when we're like 40, it will have been years. And so it'll be much easier to forget about that as an option in the toolbox. But right now it's, it's there.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think a big part of me kind of knowing that I can stay healthy and... Not relapse is when I turned eighteen. I got um a tattoo on my arm. I don't know if you can. It's kind of
1: <laughs> there. It is. Yes, yes, I can see it.
0: So it's the um it's the symbol for the uh, National Eating Disorder Association to represent recovery. And it's, oh, I love that. You have to send a- us a picture.
1: We can put it up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool.
0: So it's half a heart. And then it's, like, a curve, so it's pretty much a reminder to love your body.
1: Oh, I love
0: that. And, um... It looks
1: so nice. If Yeah, we'll have to send it... We'll put up a picture for y'all, but it's done in, like, floral Yeah,
0: I I drew it out, and then...
1: Of course you did. You had to. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: And so, um, it was kind of a big deal because... Especially that it's on my arm, because if I do... Get that feeling where I want to go to the bathroom and I'm like over the toilet. I look over and I see my tattoo and I'm like, don't, don't do it. You, you put this on your body forever. People are going to ask you what it means. You're going to give your story and you're just going to be lying out of your butt if you're still doing it. And you're like, (laughs) oh, I'm in recovery.
1: (laughs) It's a good reminder, right? It's that last little reminder reminder when you're about to repeat this behavior and you're like, oh, shit, wait, I made a commitment. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty beautiful. I love that. Does this make you think about any words of wisdom or a phrase or saying in which you choose to live by now?
0: I think one is... Everything happens for a reason, which is pretty cheesy. But... Hey, we'll take cliches. That's why yeah, they're a thing. Yeah, cliches. Yeah. But absolutely, every thing considered <laughs> trauma within my life has shaped me to be a better person and to be a more mm-hmm. open person. Like, I think a lot... Like, my, my story is hard to tell, and I think a lot of people are like, what is she doing? Why is she being so candid to random people that she doesn't know and i'm just like it's because there's times where i felt alone and i didn't talk to anybody about it and as i said like a it's different than being alone i wasn't alone physically at all but i felt that way and i think i just needed someone to say oh yeah i went through that too Like I totally get that. Yeah, so I just, like, I just need to let people know that, like, you don't have to feel a lot.
1: Yeah, because you don't. You absolutely don't. It's not worth it.
0: I kind of just feel like, you know, you got the one life, you got to live it, and I feel like I'm wasting too much time being, focusing on those negatives, not sharing my story.
1: Yeah. Well, we're really glad you did.
0: Gotcha. (laughs) I'm an open book. I got you.
1: I love it. I'm glad that you felt like you could because I think people would understand if you were choosing not to share your story, but it sounds like in your short amount of time here on this earth and at your young age, you're like, look, it's not helping anybody for me to keep it to myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's why we're here, right? I 100% get that. If if even a minute of what you said can touch one person, I think that's pretty cool.
0: Well, I hope so.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it will. I think it will. Hannah, thank you for being really vulnerable and transparent this morning and just sharing with us how you got to this place where now you're about to go. It sounds like make a really positive impact on the lives of other young people. I'm really excited for you. Um, Nannying is a pretty... I keep using the word pretty today. That's a theme that's new. Um, Being a nanny is a job that is very rewarding tangibly. You can visually see the impact, I think, of your work very quickly. And it's one of those jobs that is so just downplayed for how powerful and influential and meaningful it can be.
0: Mm -hmm. I think if there was any time to record this at a point in my life, now is like the perfect time. You know, everything's on the the up and up right now.
1: I love that. I love that that ended up happening that way. Like it goes back to your phrase of things happen for a reason because we were talking about recording in June. Yeah. And then, right, that completely changed when like we closed on a house and then we were moving. We need to sell our other house. And so it just ended up happening that this was the best time. And it sounds like that worked out for the best. Definitely. I love that. Is there anything else you want to leave us with, Hannah? Anything? um Website for people in Nashville? Uh Anything that you'd want people to look up to have for you? Anything you want to leave us with?
0: Yeah. um I do have my own nannying website, nannyhand.com.
1: We'll um, post the link.
0: Yes. So if anyone wants to look at that. Um, yeah, I feel, I mean... My Instagram is SherlockHS.
1: (laughs) Perfect. If anyone wants to follow,
0: sure. And yeah, I'll send you that picture of my tattoo so people can see that. That sounds
1: great. That sounds great. And in the show notes, we'll also link resources to anyone out there who may be struggling right now with some form of just, you know, disordered eating or simply not feeling their best or maybe utilizing some unhealthy or ineffective coping skills right now. You know, please You know, just echoing the message that Hannah's been sharing throughout this podcast is that you are not alone and you have people out there. Maybe you don't know them yet, but they are there. And so we will put some resources in this episode notes so that you can reach those as well. It's great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Hannah. Of course. Thank you for listening to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. And follow us on social media at I've been Better.pod.